chapter 21 of the book of Exodus. These are the laws that you should place before them. So, we have the connective vav in the beginning of verse 1. And that connects us to the end of the previous chapter. In the previous chapter, of course, chapter 20, we have the Ten Commandments. And then the Torah says, in the 15th verse, the people perceived the voices, the uh, the lightning, the sound of the shofar, smoky mountain, and the people vayanu, the people trembled or shook, and they stood from afar. They had been ordered to stand from afar, but they stood even further back. In short, the experience at Sinai was a frightening one. The people were afraid. And in the next pasuk, next verse, The people said to Moshe, You speak to us and we will listen. We don't want God to speak to us lest we die. So the people are afraid. The people expect God to continue to speak. And the people said to Moshe, from this point on, you tell us, you command us, rather than God. The experience at Sinai is too frightening. Moshe tries to uh, assure them. Don't be afraid, says Moshe to the people. God has come to either test you or to raise you up. That the fear of God should be upon you, lest you sin. The people stood from a distance. And Moses entered the cloud in which God was to be found. So the people are afraid to, to continue to hear God's message. And in the 19th verse, God now speaks to Moshe. God said to Moses, Say this to the children of Israel. You have perceived that I spoke to you from the heavens. Now God continues to command. And the first command that God gives now to Moshe alone, who will then tell the people what God has instructed him, you shall not make it with me gods of silver or gods of gold. Do not make for yourselves. So the first thing God speaks after the Ten Commandments, in a sense, takes us back to the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no gods before me. And now God, in a sense, is embellishing, perhaps explicating, that very first commandment. You shall have no gods before me, and furthermore, you shall not have no gods even with me. No gods of silver, no gods of gold. Do not make for yourselves. Sounds like the prohibition to even make these gods, to make these idols. And then the Torah continues. God continues to speak the way that one serves God. Make me an earthen altar. Bring the sacrifices upon that earthen altar. And then later on, in verse 22, if you make an altar of stones, 
do not make them hewn. For your, the sword has been placed upon it and has defiled it. Do not make an altar which has steps. And your nakedness should not be seen upon it. So there were rules that God gives uh, to Moshe after the people say they're afraid to hear directly from God. And the first rules are related to the way one approaches God. No other gods, not even to make other gods of silver or gold. And the way God is to be worshipped, the way God is to be served, the kind of altar that is constructed, the prohibition of promiscuity in God's service, this is all found at the end of the previous chapter. Now our chapter begins, That is in regard to the way one approaches God. And now let me tell you, says God to Moshe, the rules, the laws that you should place before them. So V'ela Mishpatim is simply a continuation of the, those things that apparently would appear from the Torah. God might have spoken directly to the people, but instead, God teaches the people through God's agent, through Moshe. These are the Mishpatim you should place Lifnehem before them. Who is the them over here is a good question. Is them judges? Or is them actually the people? Yes, amongst the people there will be judges, of course. But fundamentally, the rules are given not to the judges. The rules are given to the people. It actually reminds us of what Yitro, Moses' father-in-law, suggested to him back in chapter 18 when he saw Moshe sitting by himself and judging the people. Why are you by yourself? <coughs> the people come to me to seek out God. The people have legal matters before them. And Yitro said, not a good thing. You can't do it by yourself. But perhaps in addition to not doing it by yourself is the other side, which is it's also important to get them involved in this process, to be part of the system of justice. Yes, there are difficult matters only you can handle. You must bring to God. Only you have access. But other matters, the people themselves, using their best judgment and their knowledge and their integrity, can make decisions. So now we begin the Mishpatim. And the first of the Mishpatim that we have in this Cold, one might call it, chapter 21, chapter 2, chapter 23, and then we have the story in chapter 24. This code is referred to later in chapter 24 as Moses wrote all this down, because remember the people didn't hear directly from God. He wrote it down, he read it to them, he told them about it, and the Torah calls this the Book of the Covenant. And the first of the Mishpatim in the Book of the Covenant in chapter 21 is if you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall work for six years. In the seventh year, he goes out free. And the Torah then continues with rules about the Hebrew slave, that is the male slave. If he was a married a man when he came in to be a slave, he leaves with his wife. If he had children, he leaves with the wife and children. These are some of the rules. If the servant wishes to stay, the slave wishes to remain after six years, and that's in verse number five. He doesn't want to leave. I love my wife. I love my children. Um, 
the Torah had said in the previous verse that if the owner, the master, gave him a wife and children are born, they remain with the master. So let's say the slave was given a wife, has children, but he, he's happy where he is. He has security. He doesn't want to leave. So the Torah says in that case, if he, the slave desires to remain a slave, he brings the slave, it says literally to God, perhaps the judge, or to, to, to the doorpost and to the door. So the master pierces the slave's ear with an awl, A-W-L. He remains a slave then forever. The Talmud says it only till the Jubilee year. The literal reading of the verse is forever. So it's interesting, first of all, that the first rule that's given in the Mishpatim refers to the Hebrew slave. This uh, code that we have in the book of Exodus is in the book of Exodus, and the book of Exodus is about the Hebrew slave. It's about the Israelites in the land of Egypt. It's about God freeing the slave. So the Torah, in the first of the Mishpatim, does not eliminate slavery, but does limit slavery. <laughs> Certainly the direction of the Torah, one might say, is towards the ultimate elimination of slavery. It's only six years. There is a Shabbat. There is a seventh year. Not just the seventh day of the week, but the seventh year. And if the slave wishes to stay, says the Torah, the slave may stay. But he is brought to the doorpost and he's, in a sense, connected to the doorpost. We are reminded of the fact that in the land of Egypt, prior to the Jews being able to leave the land of Egypt, in chapter 12, we have the story of the Paschal Sacrifice. The sacrifice was to be brought by the household. The blood is placed upon the lintel and the doorposts. And you can't leave that place, that land of Egypt, that place of slavery, until first you have affirmed that you are connecting to the God of Israel, you declare your allegiance to the God of Israel through the sacrifice, and only then do you walk out the door, one might say, and walk into freedom. So the Torah says, there is an institution of slavery. We are going to limit the slavery. Six years. In the seventh year, you go free. What about if someone doesn't want to go free? What if someone doesn't walk out that door? The Torah does allow it. But certainly the Torah, in the context of the larger book of Exodus, frowns upon it. The whole book of Exodus is about freedom, and it's about that, about that paschal sacrifice. It's about declaring allegiance to God and then being able to walk to freedom. What about the person that's not able or willing, as of yet, to declare allegiance to God? If you declare allegiance to, the other, to your fellow human being as a slave, the Torah seems to suggest you can't fully declare your allegiance to God. We allow it, says the Torah. We allow the slaves of the land of Egypt to remain slaves if they wish to do so. But we strongly discourage it.